Hey everybody, and thanks for coming back to Serial Zombie Mom. Again, I've got a couple of little delays, but now I've got enough to where I should be able to get everything caught up. Um, today's episode is going to be a smaller episode. This one's going to be a little more on an urban legend. Everybody tends to know about... Um, Bloody Mary. Everybody's heard the stories of Bloody Mary. And what I'm going to do is kind of go through a little bit of, um, you know, what is expected, what we hear, um, you know, and even a couple of people's, like, counts of events uh, of, of everything that, that has happened with, you know, when they've done it, supposedly, and... Um, I'm not going to count out these urban legends and saying that, you know, it's not true. I'm not going to say that it is true. Um, I'm just going to cover the information itself. So the legend of Bloody Mary actually describes the entity as a ghost or a phantom or a spirit. Um, and this spirit is conjured to reveal the future. Now there's multitudes of different, um, stories that kind of come around around this. Now, her appearance often reveals herself typically in a mirror or a reflective surface after chanting um, her name multitudes of times. Now, the apparition may be either a benign or a malevolent spirit, depending on the origin story that you've been told, or depending on, you know, what... Um, I don't know what happens during during telling the story. Um, th it's kind of like the game telephone. By the time that you know the 80th person has told it, it's going to be a little different from that first account. So everybody's story is going to be a little bit either dramatized or um, embellished in different ways. So mostly the apparition is witnessed in groups. It's not to say that we cannot see it. Um, as an individual, doing it by yourself. But most times you hear about it being in group play, whether it be, you know, a bunch of kids getting together and thinking they're going to be funny and have a seance or something like that, or, you know, goofing off at a slumber party. So, now, this, I say group play, but play is probably not the best thing to do <laughs> whenever it comes to spirits and um, entities and, and things like that. Now, the ritual itself, the divination ritual encouraged young ladies to actually walk up a flight of stairs backwards, a candlelit in one hand and a hand mirror in the other. Now, this is something that they would do in a darker home or a darker room. Uh, and supposedly, in those days that this was like the big thing to do, this divination was supposed to show a young girl the face of her future husband. The scary part about that was if you saw a skull or a dark figure, you would actually die before you could marry. Now, this could be, you know, an unfortunate death or it could be something telling you you're going to be a spinster your whole life and you're never going to get the chance to marry for one reason or another. You know, it might be that poor homely girl that never finds anybody. Or it could be, you know, she's not of the best social status, so it's not able to happen. Um, there's a lot of different stories around this and a lot of different things that, that people don't um, 
tend to to focus on. Now, today's stories are a lot different from that. Now, today's stories actually, you tend to repeat repeatedly chant her name into a mirror. In this room, it must be dim or dark, um, just enough that you can see. If the room is dark, you have to have a candle lit. You have to have something with the slightest bit of light or even if it's just a little bit of light coming up under a door or through a window or or something like that. Um, now, there are a few different tellings on how many times you say your name. Now, they range between anywhere from 3 and 13. 13 tends to be the consensus. We hear 3, we hear 5, we have, hear 7. Um, but most of the time, 13 is the number that actually works. Now, there's been others that say, oh, you say it three times, and then you turn around, and then you say, you know, I don't know. I've, I've heard a bunch of different things, but, you know, with the number 13, there there tends to be a lot of things in the supernatural realm with the number 13. So, this being the lucky number, um, she is supposed to appear as a corpse, a witch, or a ghost. She's either to look friendly or evil, and usually covered in blood. So it it may be that, you know, when she first appears, she's, you know, happy-go-lucky, you know, just looks like she's not exactly, well, I wouldn't even say happy, but maybe not upset or evil. Um, but then there's others that say that she is obviously distraught, she's obviously upset or mad about something, Um and it really just, it just depends on the story. It depends on each person's uh, retellings of these stories. Now, some even mention her as being very zombie-like in appearance. Um, and is sometimes even seen holding that of a deceased newborn baby, um, which sometimes is also covered in blood. Now, she is said to scream or curse at you, screech uh, screech, reach out or strangle you or even reach out and steal your soul. Drink your blood, scratch your eyes out, you know, multitudes of different things. There's some where she lifts and holds, holds the baby and goes to drop it or throw the baby or, you know, things, it's, it's kind of, those things kind of get a little bit disturbing. And I think that might be a little bit more for the shock factor than it is for anything else. Um, but again, I'm not 100% sure on on that um as i've never i've never personally done this nor do i want the chance of being able to see this i have a i you know i mean not much scares me but yeah do you want to take your chances here <laughs> you know uh so some of the names associated with the story obviously are bloody mary some people call her Hell Mary. Some say Mary Worth or even Mary Bloodsworth. So we hear other versions from this story or similar to this story all around the world. There's even a Japanese version, Hanako-san, which is about a schoolgirl who either killed herself or was murdered in a bathroom during World War II. She is supposed to be seen as a child of the World War II era, um... And that all this happened to her while they were supposed to be playing hide-and-seek. So she is said to be seen in a bathroom mirror, typically in somewhere like a school or something like that. Um, and that she comes after people. So maybe she was um, playing hide-and-seek and then, you know, 
they find her and kill her or, you know, someone else killed her. I, I don't know the full story. I just read a tiny little blurb about it. Um, but it was very interesting that it was very similar and kind of taken in the same context as Bloody Mary is. Now, there's different ideas on the origin story of Mary, and I will cover a few different ideas where it came from um, or who they actually deduced that, they, that had inspired the story. Really quickly, I just kind of want to go over the phenomenal um, explanation that there may be for this vision, for this this entity. There's actually a study that states that if you look into the mirror in a dim room for extended periods of time, that the length of time can actually cause hallucinations, up to and including facial features being distorted, melted, or disappearing, or even rotating on the face. Now, people have been known to see animal faces or strange faces looking back at them. Now, G Giovanni Caputo of the University of Irvine um, actually calls it strange face illusion, and it's a consequence of disassociative identity effect, which causes the misfire of brain of the brain's facial recognition. So this states that when we look at our own faces in a mirror, we can't see the full face as one full thing. It's not like when we're looking at, you know, our partner, our children, and other people, and we see... Um, you know, their, their full face from further away or whatnot. When we're looking at our own face, we actually are taking little mini pictures of all the different aspects of our face. Now, when we look in the mirror, our brain takes all those pictures, all those little bits, and puts them together into one big picture. It's kind of like a puzzle. So, when you focus on one specific area, such as the nose or a birthmark or, um, you know, just an eye or, or something like that, this piece becomes the focus. And then the rest of the face has to be put together with all the little bits and pieces from our own faces. So the generalized idea gives us what we look like. That's how we figure what we look like. Now, it's kind of interesting information if you think about it, because when we're looking in the mirror, we're obviously seeing the opposite of what um, our friends and family are seeing when they look at us. We're seeing that mirror image. We're not seeing what they see. So we have to kind of deduce from that kind of what we look like. It's, it's a lot of really interesting information, and if you want to, you definitely should go and read up on it. It's... Um, Definitely something that makes you think. So now I want to go into the possible ladies who may have originated the stories. Now, contestant numero uno. Um, there are three major contestants here. So I'm going to go over contestant number one right now. She is Mary Tudor. Now, this is where most believe the urban legend, com urban legend comes from. Um, however, you know, there's so many people in history. Like, there's so many different people that, you know, you could associate her with. So, Mary Tudor uh, was an only child of Ken King Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon. When Catherine didn't produce a male heir... Um, he split 
from her and actually married Anne Boleyn, gaining yet another daughter, who was Elizabeth. Now, Mary eventually becomes queen in 1553, later enduring multiple miscarriages, false pregnancies, um, like, just no matter what she did, like, she couldn't appease her king, okay? Mary has multitudes of miscarriages. As far as the, the false pregnancies, one of them even went so far to where the time came for birth. Like, she was feeling the kicking, she had gained the weight, the enlarged belly, the um, the swollen breasts, like, everything. She would feel the flutters. She knew she was pregnant. She was like, I, I'm absolutely, like, this baby, you know, everybody believed it. And then the time comes, and she never gives birth, and she never gives birth, and she, you know, so they, they ready her bedchambers for birth, and then all of a sudden her belly starts going down. Now, she believed that this was God punishing her for the Marian persecutions of 1554, where about 240 men and 60 women were burned at the stake just for being who they were. Um, now, this earned her the name of Bloody Mary in those days. So she feels at this point that, you know, God isn't giving me a baby because I did all this horrible stuff. I wound up, you know, putting these people to death, and now I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be a mother because I did all that. Eventually, she comes to terms with it all and finally, you know, goes through her menopause and, and all of this and understands that she's never going to have a child. So that was very, very unfortunate. Contestant number two, however, I'm just going to make this a really quick little blurb because I'm going to be covering her on her own fucking episode because she is one crazy bitch. All right. Elizabeth Bathory, the queen of blood. Now, she was convicted of murdering hundreds of young girls to supposedly bathe in their blood to stay young. So, when I talk about her and talk about the over 600 girls that she was supposed to have killed um, and all of the things that she did to these young ladies, like, that that really, really deserves her own episode because she's she's an interesting one. She was actually considered um, kind of inspiration for Dracula as well. So, really, really interesting information there. So, I don't necessarily think it's her, though. Um, I just, I think something's off with all of that story. And when, when I talk about that, I'll kind of circle back to this Bloody Mary and I kind of explain a little bit more then why I don't think that this really has anything to do with it. Now, contestant number three. This was a woman named Mary Worth, and the village considered her a witch. And was she was actually executed during the Salem trials. So it was believed that she was a witch only because she lived alone in a very small cabin out in the woods, um, and she was known for selling tinctures and herbal remedies. So she was a bit of a healer. Now, the scary thing is back in these days, you know, healers were considered witches because how would they know these things? How would they know this stuff would, would 
fix something. You know, and all really they did was, you know, listen to what they were told and, and you know, it just kind of continues on from there. So the locals worried that she would curse them or their animals and they all pretty much stayed away from her for the most part until desperation would come in and they needed some sort of, you know, herbal remedy or something um, and or potion from her to be able to um, get past whatever they were dealing with. Now, out of desperation, they also, um, excuse me, I'm skipping forward a little bit. Now, unfortunately, um, during this time, she, unfortunately, there were a lot of little girls going missing, and none of the families were able to locate them. So, of course, they automatically look to Mary. Hey, do you know anything about this? So, they go all the way out to her property, they start questioning her, and they're like, you know, what do you know about this? You're the witch, you're blah, 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 you know something about these girls. And she's like, no, I don't, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about these girls disappearing, I'm sorry. So, the families are very, very suspicious about it, because supposedly, this Mary Worth was supposed to be an elderly woman, haggard in appearance, um... And when she comes to the door, she's a younger, feminine woman who definitely doesn't look like the old hag that they knew about. So there's another source that just states that she's just a younger woman who learned everything from her mother and that she had been hidden away from the town. They also assume that she assumed at this point that she was the older woman and that she had just taken on a, a younger appearance. So, I'll get into that just a tiny bit more here in a few minutes. I just want to talk about kind of what happened to her that causes people to believe that maybe she was Bloody Mary. Now, at some point, the miller in the town, his daughter wakes up one evening captivated by a noise that she supposedly could only, only her, that she only could, goodness, I can't talk today. (laughs) Um, that supposedly she could only hear, that nobody else could hear anything, you know, but she's saying, I hear this, this noise. The mother was awake. She was doctoring a toothache with an herbal tincture actually made by Mary. So she sees her daughter get up and she sees her daughter seems like she's hypnotized by something. Now they couldn't wake her. So we initially think, okay, she's sleepwalking. You know, in today's day, like, today's time, we would look at her as, okay, she was sleepwalking. Something was bothering her. She was sleepwalking. So they couldn't wake her. And the daughter continued to follow this supposed noise. Now, as they're following her, they're kind of going through the town, and they start grabbing people. You know, hey, like, look what's going on with her. Um, I think she's under some sort of spell. So they all kind of follow and they see that she approaches the end of the woods and they notice ahead that there is a glow and allegedly they see Mary standing in a clearing by a large oak tree with a wand emitting a glow pointing it towards the miller's home. Now whether this is true or not, you know, that might just be them covering their asses so that they can they can do what they want to, but you know, this is supposedly their um, accounts of the events. And the townspeople go after her with, like, pitchfork forks and guns. I mean, it's just the typical 
angry villagers mob that you think of when you think of like Frankenstein and all these and how they all go, you know, go after them like all the villagers in Shrek, you know. It's it, it makes you laugh just a little bit when you think about this until you realize that they go after her and that this is what they did back then. So she realizes they're after her and she starts making her way back to her cabin. Now, unfortunately, she was not quick enough. The miller actually shoots her in the hip with a silver bullet. She is then caught. She's kicking and screaming and thrashing. And they decide to tie her up on a stake. And they build a quick bonfire and just, you know, light it. Supposedly, as she was burning, they say that she had cursed them. Stating that she would exact their revenge on whoever spoke her name in a mirror. Now, they all supposedly searched the area around her home at this point, finding small, multiple small, unmarked graves, assuming, assuming them to be that of the young girls, um, and that she must have used their blood to become younger. Now, to kind of finish this up, like, there's a really good possibility that she lived in this cabin with her mother. And that the mother was the original Mary. Um, because a lot of times back in those days, you named your children, you know, similar names, if not the same names that you were named or family members were named. So it's very possible that there may have been an older Mary and a younger Mary. Now, what if the mother died? What if her mother passed away? And then all of a sudden, she's taking up everything. So then they're thinking, oh, well, look, she became young. Well, it could have been that this younger girl was 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 hidden away a little bit because she was an illegitimate child. But we don't really know that. It could have been that she may have belonged to, you know, someone there in the town and that you know, the mother didn't want him to know. So there's, and there's a, a story somewhere that I found that kind of corroborates this, stating that this was a very good possibility. Now, there is another story, however, stating that, um, to kind of bring in the whole baby avenue, that when they burned her at the stake, she was pregnant. And she wouldn't give up who she was pregnant by. So... That may be where not only is she upset about her own death, but that of her unborn child as well. So when you see um, things about the entity ha having this baby in her arms, that, that could be why. We, we really don't know. Now, really quickly, I'm just going to state there's, there's a few different stories. And you can go on and you can Google and read tons and tons of stories. I can't remember the website right off. Um, I thought I had... had put it in my notes here and I don't, I don't see it. Um, but there are places that you can go and you can read these accounts about, about what people say happened to them when they did this Bloody Mary ritual. There are some that say, you know, that you only see her when you go to turn and walk away. Um, and you kind of see her in your peripheral. Um, there's those who, say that if you turn back when you see her in your peripheral that she'll still be there and you'll be able to get a full on vision of her 
Um, and then there's those who say, you know, no, you have to be turned kind of sideways and only see the peripheral. So, um, like I said, it just depends on the, the account that you read. There are some people who have said, you know, that it's so real that you think you can reach through and grab that baby when you think that she's going to throw that baby or drop the baby or whatever. Um, lots and lots of different accounts here. So, again, you know, they could just be creepypastas. It could just be, you know, someone just trying to get a rise out of somebody. We we really don't know fully um, what the issue is there. So, you know, again, I've never actually done that. You know, not to say that I want to. Um, you know, as far as the supernatural, you know, I, I have my beliefs and I have um, some skepticisms about certain things. Um, but I But I am definitely one who's open to possibilities. So now if you have any... Um, insight on any of this or any questions about any of this, you're more than welcome to email me at serialzombiemoms at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram or on the Facebook group at Serial Zombie Mom Podcast. Um, and I'd be more than happy to, to have some discussions or be able to add on to this episode and, um, you know, read letters or emails or, or whatnot. If you find something really, really interesting and you want to send it to me, um, you can do it through any of those venues as well. So thank you again. Uh, this is, sorry, it's a little bit shorter of an episode, um, but I've got to get onto everything for, um, the next, uh, the next episode and really, cause it's going to be a, a multiple parter. So, um, be ready for that because that's going to be a fun one. <laughs>